Chapter 7 The Bruised Reed and Smoking Flax A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Isaiah 42, 3 Babbling fame always loves to talk of one person or another. There are some whose glory she trumpets forth, and whose honor she extols above the heavens. Some are her favorites, and their names are carved on marble and heard in every land and in every place. Fame is not an impartial judge. She has her favorites. She extols, exalts, and almost deifies some people, while others, whose virtues are far greater and whose characters are more deserving of commendation, she passes by unheeded and puts the finger of silence on her lips. You will generally find that those people beloved by fame are men made of brass or iron and cast in a rough mould. Fame caresses Caesar because he ruled the earth with a rod of iron. Fame loves Martin Luther because he boldly and manfully defied the Pope of Rome, and with knit brow dared to laugh at the thunders of the Vatican. Fame admires John Knox because he was stern and proved himself the bravest of the brave. Generally, you will find her choosing out the men of fire and metal who stood fearless before their fellow creatures. They were men who were made of courage, who were consolidated lumps of fearlessness, and who never knew what timidity was. However, there is another class of people who are equally virtuous and are equally to be esteemed, perhaps even more so, whom fame entirely forgets. You do not hear her talk of the gentle-minded Philip Melanchthon. She only says a little about him. Yet he likely did as much in the Reformation as even the mighty Luther. You do not hear fame talk much about the sweet and blessed Samuel Rutherford, and of the heavenly words that distilled from his lips, or about Archbishop Leighton, of whom it was said that he was never out of temper in his life. Fame loves the rough granite peaks that defy the storm cloud, but she doesn't care for the more humble stone in the valley on which the weary traveller rests. She wants something bold and prominent, something that courts popularity, something that stands out before the world. She doesn't care for those who retreat in the shadows. It is for this reason that the blessed Jesus, our adorable Master, has escaped fame. No one says much about Jesus except His followers. We don't find His name written among the great and mighty men, although in truth He is the greatest, mightiest, holiest, purest, and best of men who ever lived. However, because He was gentle Jesus, meek and mild, and was emphatically the man whose kingdom is not of this world, John 18, 36, because He had nothing rough about Him but was all love, because His words were softer than butter and His utterances were more gentle in their flow than oil, because never did any man speak as gently as this man, therefore he is neglected and forgotten. He did not come to conquer with a sword. He did not come like Muhammad with his fiery eloquence. He came to speak with a still, small voice that melts the rocky heart. 1 Kings 19.12
that binds up the broken in spirit, and that continually says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Matthew 11, 28-29. Jesus Christ was all gentleness, and that's why he has not been extolled among men as otherwise he would have been. Scripture A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. Isaiah 42, 3. The work of God's Holy Spirit begins with bruising. In order to be saved, the fallow ground must be plowed up. The hard heart must be broken. The rock must be split apart. An old clergyman says there is no going to heaven without passing next to the gates of hell, without a great deal of soul trouble and heart exercise. I understand the bruised reed to be a picture of the poor sinner when God first begins his operation upon the soul. He is as a bruised reed, almost entirely broken and consumed, and there is only a little strength in him. I understand the smoking flax to be a backsliding Christian, one who has been a burning and a shining light in his day, but by neglect of the means of grace, the withdrawal of God's Spirit, and falling into sin, his light is almost gone out. It has not completely gone out, though. It can never go completely out, for Christ said that he would not quench it. However, it becomes like a lamp when poorly supplied with oil. It is almost useless. It is not extinguished. It smokes. It was once a useful lamp, but now it has become as smoking flax. I think these metaphors very likely describe the contrite sinner as a bruised reed and the backsliding Christian as smoking flax. However, I will not choose to make such a division as that, but I will put both the metaphors together, and I hope we can bring out a few thoughts from them. What in the world is weaker than the bruised reed or the smoking flax? If a duck lands upon a reed that grows in the swamp, or marsh, the reed snaps. If a person's foot brushes against it, it is bruised and broken. Every wind that comes howling across the river makes it shake back and forth and nearly tears it up by the roots. You cannot think of anything more frail or brittle, or whose existence depends more upon circumstances than a bruised reed. Then look at smoking flax. What is it? It has a spark within, it's true, but it is almost smothered. An infant's breath could blow it out. The tears of a young girl could quench it in a moment. Nothing has a more precarious existence than the little spark hidden in the smoking flax. You see that weak things are here described. Well, Christ says of them, A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. Some of God's children, blessed be His name, are made strong to do mighty works for Him. God has His Samsons here and there who can pull up Gaza's gates and carry them to the top of the hill. He has here and there His mighty Gideons who can go to the camp of the Midianites and overthrow their armies. He has His mighty men 
who can go into the pit in winter and slay the lions. However, the majority of his people are a timid, weak race. They are like the starlings that are frightened at every passerby. They are a little, fearful flock. If temptation comes, they fall before it. If trial comes, they are overwhelmed by it. Their frail little boat is danced up and down by every wave. When the wind comes, they are drifted along like a seabird on the crest of the waves. They are weak things, without strength, without force, without might, and without power. Very often I am constrained to say that I would sing, but cannot. I would pray, but cannot. I would believe, but cannot. You are saying that you cannot do anything. Your best resolves are weak and vain. When you cry, Renew my strength, you feel weaker than before. You are weak, are you? Are you bruised reeds and smoking flax? I am glad you can come in under the name of weak ones, for here is a promise that he will never break nor quench them, but will sustain and hold them up. I have heard of a man who would pick up a pin as he walked along the street on the principle of frugality, but I have never yet heard of a man who would stop to pick up bruised reeds. They are not worth having. Who would care to have a bruised reed, a piece of rush lying on the ground? We all despise it as worthless. And smoking flax, what is the worth of that? It is an offensive and noxious thing, but it is worth nothing. No one would give the snap of a finger for either the bruised reed or the smoking flax. In our estimation, then, there are many of us who are worthless things. There are some people who, if they could weigh themselves in the scales of the sanctuary and put their own hearts into the balance of conscience, would appear to be good for nothing, worthless, useless. There was a time when you thought yourselves to be the very best people in the world, when, if anyone had said that you had more than you deserved, you would have objected and said, I believe I am as good as other people. You thought yourselves something wonderful, that you were extremely worthy of God's love and regard, but now you feel yourselves to be worthless. Sometimes you think that you are such despicable creatures, so worthless and not worth His consideration, that God can hardly know where you are. You can understand how He can look upon a microscopic organism in a drop of water, or upon a grain of dust in the sunbeam, or upon the insect of the summer evening, but you can hardly tell how He can think of you as you consider yourself so worthless, a dead blank in the world, a useless thing. You say, What good am I? I am doing nothing. As for a minister of the gospel, he is of some service. As for a deacon of the church, he is of some use. As for a Sunday school teacher, he is doing some good. But of what service am I? But you could ask the same question here What is the use of a bruised reed? Can a person lean upon it? Can a person strengthen himself with it? Can it be a pillar in my house? Can you bind it up into the pipes of pan and make music come from a bruised reed? No, it is of no service. And of what use is smoking flax? The midnight traveller cannot be lighted by it. The student cannot read by the flame of it. It is of no use. People throw it into the fire and consume it. Yet that is how you talk of yourselves.
you are good for nothing, and so are these things. But Christ will not throw you away, because you are of no value. You do not know of what use you may be, and you cannot tell how Jesus Christ values you, after all. There is a good woman, a mother perhaps, who says, Well, I don't often go out. I keep house with my children and seem to be doing no good. Mother, do not say so. Your position is a high, lofty, responsible one, and in training up children for the Lord, you are doing as much for his name as the eloquent Apollos, who so valiantly preached the word. Acts 18 24 28. And you, poor man, all you can do is to work from morning until night and earn just enough to enable you to live day by day. You have nothing to give away, and when you go to the Sunday school, you can barely read and you cannot teach much. Well, but unto him to whom little is given, little is required. Luke 12:48. Do you not know that there is such a thing as glorifying God by sweeping the street crossing? If two angels were sent down to earth, one to rule an empire and the other to sweep a street, they would have no choice in the matter as long as God ordered them. God in His providence has called you to work hard for your daily bread. Do it to His glory.